Hello, everyone, and welcome to my Papa's podcast, Celebrating the Word with Dean Caldwell Ministries. Hello, everyone. We want to welcome you today to Elevating the Word. This is a Bible study intended to increase your faith, increase your knowledge of God so you can walk closer to the Lord and have a relationship with God like you've never had before. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the podcast today. We are so glad that you have joined us. Just a few quick announcements uh, up front. We have the YouTube channel, um, Dean Caldwell Ministries. Head over there, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell to stay up to date on all new videos that drop on YouTube. Also, we have the Facebook page, also uh, called Dean Caldwell Ministries. You can head over there and keep up with encouraging posts and uh, where Brother Dean's going to be in revival and things of that nature. Uh, thirdly, we have the email, elevatingtheword at outlook.com. Again, that is elevatingtheword at outlook.com. Head on over there and you can um, send your questions, your thoughts, your prayer requests, and we will try to get to all of those as quick as we can. And then lastly, we have our giving options that are down in the show notes. Just follow the links below and they'll take you exactly where you need to go. So with all that out of the way, we're going to continue on with this marriage series that is um, that we've been doing, I guess it's f- the fifth week now. Yeah. This will be the fifth week of this, and so um, Brother Dean and Sister Peggy going to pick up pick up where they left off. Thank you, Rob. And it's uh, you know we feel like this is very important. Peggy and I had talked about this months ago of uh, doing this because we we just get so many questions, and there's so many hurt people out there that. Uh, just need some biblical answer and some biblical guidance. And that's our goal for this uh, series on the home and on the marriage. And today we're going to be talking about uh, a fair proof, your home, uh, guarding your heart. And I want to read a scripture to you out of Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 23. He said, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart. You are the only one that can make a difference in your discipline. Discipline yourself. And especially in this day and time, it used to be uh, maybe 40 years ago where the men were always chasing the women. But in our society today, it's equal. It's equal. Women chasing men, men chasing women. And uh, the home is in jeopardy. It's just in, in deep jeopardy uh, in America. I'm not talking about third world countries of any kind. I'm talking about in our, in our world, the United States, where people just disregard um, marriage in the means of being faithful, being faithful sexually, being faithful morally, to your companion, and to your family as well. So we're going to talk about this today and and uh, just uh, explore some things. And uh, Peggy, it's so good to have you back on this Thank program. You. And um, we're going to let you start off with what you have to share with the people here. Today. When you were talking about the um, what what's happening in America today, especially in the homes, you and I through the years have done marriage counseling 
<clears throat> we've done marriage retreats. Probably one of the first ones was several years ago, and I found a wonderful book, uh, The Five Love Languages. Uh, if you'd like to, if you don't have this book, I think it's something that every marriage, every couple needs. Uh, Brother Gary Chapman is the author. Uh, you can find it on his website at number five lovelanguages.com. An awesome book on the love languages of a marriage. And I think uh, I wanted to just name those five things and just speak just for a second about what each one of them means. Because when you're talking about how the marriages are in danger of so much of the things that are uh, coming against the home, um, television, the movies, the the books, the pornography, all of the things that are creeping in and jobs, businesses, places where it can happen. You think it won't happen, but it can. But I think this book uh, so brings together five things that help a marriage. Um, first of all, you got to have God in the home. But my biggest thing is the affirmation of these five things that we talk about. Rob, you was telling me today that in the Christian world, 70% of the men... Seventy yes. percent of the men are addicted to porn. Yes, and the women. Uh, forty percent and forty percent of women are addicted to porn in the church world. That's not that's not a secular. That's a Barna, I believe, a Barna um, poll, and it's a forty percent for women as well. That's in the church world. That's in not, the church world. That's not a worldly thing. Yes, mm. this should not be uh, at all, and this is causing havoc. Whenever uh, people are addicted to pornography because a husband or wife cannot function in that particular area that is portrayed uh, through a film. Um, and so we, we want to address this. On well, if those things are happening, it's because the need in the home is not met between the husband and the wife. Uh, it may be an accidental thing that something pornography will come up on the screen, maybe that it's the first time someone's ever even seen it. But it's kind of like a person who takes a drink. They say, well, I, you know, I'll never become an alcoholic. But in the case of my dad, he took one drink and he was hooked on it. Same thing with pornography. But I as sad as those statistics are, that just blows my mind that that could be happening in the church world. But these five love languages that I was discussing that I want to give you, I promise you, if you'll read this book, if you will read over these five things and put these in action in your marriage, it will make a world of difference. I believe we have helped couples through this and gave these that I feel like their eyes were open to the fact. And five of those that he, uh, Brother Chapman, list is words of affirmation. And we've talked a little bit about that uh, through some of these uh, podcasts, but words of affirmation are speaking highly or edifying each other. Uh, the scriptures, all through the scriptures, talk about edifying one another. But uh, we have found through the years that many marriages, they do not edify each other. They don't encourage her. Um, women out there, I know it means a lot when you've, 
cooked a good meal and you sit down and your husband looks at you and says, wow, this was so good. It makes you feel so good for them to say that. And that was, that's something through the years I have to say, Dean has always said after a meal, he'll say, wow, Piggy, that was so good. He loves to eat, but you know, I think I'm a pretty good cook, yes. but that means the world to me when I've done that. So words of affirmation. And through the years, we've dealt with so many couples that they tear each other down in public. They say things in front of other people about the spouse, sometimes joking. And that we're not talking about that, but we're talking about when they use that as a chance to hurt the other person. And you know uh, the difference. Yes, you definitely know. So words of affirmation is exalting each other, encouraging each other, lifting each other up. That's one of the love languages. The second one is quality time spent together. We've talked a little bit about the in the marriage, you know, that parents need to have time with their kids, but they also need it. We talked about date night. We found through the years that didn't work for us, the date night. We'd say we were going to do that, but In ministry, something was always coming up. You're busy all the time. Quality time is different than quantity. You can have quantity of time, but we've seen that through the years. People don't talk, and they're together all the time. But the times that you have, let it be quality time. Look at each other. You know, look at each other in the eyes because we speak with our eyes a lot more sometimes than we do with our mouth. I can look at Dean and say something, but when I look at him with my eyes, he knows I either mean it or I don't. So quality time means looking at each other, saying it with your eyes, saying it. And then number three is receiving gifts. And I remember one time when we were doing this at a marriage retreat, the guy said, you mean we have to buy our wife something to have a good marriage? No. You know, some women love flowers. They want flowers for every holiday. Dean's never been a flower buyer, but I'm not a flower person that cares that much. I mean, I, I don't see getting a, spending $150 on roses that's going to die in a few days. I'd rather have a new dress or new shoes. So uh, receiving gifts is not the amount of money you spend, but when you get a gift for your spouse what you're saying is through this busy day today I thought of you I took the time to go buy this for you because I wanted you to know that's I love you uh that speaks volumes to a spouse it says I thought about you today I took the time to do this for you so receiving gifts is not selfish it just means You care about that person, and it speaks to that person. Number four is acts of service. We were laughing on one of the podcasts about me wanting you to drive the tub out, and you said every once in a while I do that. Um, Acts of service is the little things we do for each other. Uh, I've had people say, well, I write notes and put in their lunch box and uh, let them read that, or maybe it's just little things that we do for each other. of a morning, I like to carry you a cup. You don't even care about coffee, but I like for us to have our time of a morning reading the Bible, and I'll carry the coffee to you. A lot of times I'll go get your house shoes and bring them to you if I think your feet are cold. 
acts of service is the little things that you can do for each other. It's not some big, I'm not going to probably go out and wash and wax your truck, but I, I can bring you your house shoes. And it's those things. And then the last one is physical touch. Now, when you say physical touch, a lot of times that can mean you're wanting more than what they think you do if they physically touch one another. But the thing with this is sometimes just reaching over in church and taking that spouse's hand, oh, man, I don't ever get to sit with Dean in church because he's always up preaching. But when we are somewhere and he reaches over and takes my hand, that to me is telling people he loves me. Sometimes just reaching over and squeezing their neck or uh, patting them on the knee, those physical touch, according to science, that emotional touch does bring out feelings in a person that just is amazing what it can do, the difference it can make. So the five love languages, I think if we could just get this in the hands of people and let them find out that uh, you need to know the love language of your spouse. What, what, it, what is it? And I found that yours was words of affirmation because you needed to hear that. I thought I, I found out when we early on in marriage that you had a complex about that and you, you would never tell that, but I felt like you needed to be reaffirmed. Well, the cat's out of the bag now. <laughs> well, I think it's oh, helped you through the uh, years is uh, the uh, words of affirmation. Uh, for me, the, uh, I think you learned that the acts of service was something that meant a whole lot to me. It is. And so I just I wanted think, to share that with I you. I think also when you talk about the love language, uh, somebody – uh, may just have one out of the five that really triggers them. Yes, yes. And others may have two or, two three, or three out of the five that triggers them. I know uh, in my case, I like the words of affirmation, but I also like uh, touch. I, I, I didn't know why. When I'm around people, I'll go up and I'll squeeze their neck, I'll yes. squeeze their shoulder, uh, shake their hand, or you know, pat them on the back. I never realized what I was doing, but it's a way of connecting. Yes. It is a way of connecting with friends and just people in general when you connect. And uh, that, uh, I didn't know why I'd done that till we were teaching this book several years ago. And I realized why I'd done that. So when you read these off, there's some of you that are listening and say, hey, this is what really satisfies me. This is what gets my heart pumping. This is what makes me feel needed and makes me feel wanted. You know, in a marriage, you've got to feel needed and you've got to feel wanted because, uh, you know, a fair, when a, when a man or woman flirts with each other through flattery to the opposite sex, they make them feel needed and they make them feel irresistible. Sure. And when a person feels needed and irresistible, he or she will follow them anywhere. And you can perform that same thing in your marriage. When you make your wife or your husband feel needed, feel wanted, they're very important to you, then they will follow. But they also see whenever you, uh, you know, this is a sad thing, but 
This is often lost in a marriage of making the spouse feel needed, make them feel wanted. This, I've got to have you. I can't make it without you. I, I need you. And you can do that without saying that every day. Just through the acts of, of the love languages. The affirmation. That, yes, yes. You need to be uh, there. You know, once an adulterous relationship starts, uh, it's almost impossible to stop uh, until someone gets caught, until there is a, a, a breach of a, trust. Uh, just, it, it goes too far. And um, a lot of times... Well, I, I shouldn't say a lot of time. I'm going to say most every time. Before there's a physical affair, there's always an emotional affair. Yes. Emotional affair is when you become connected. But let me give some scripture here of how God views this. In 1 Corinthians chapter, oh, let me think here, uh, chapter 6 and verse 18 and, um, uh, yes, verse 18 he said this, flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without his body, but he that commits fornication sins against his flesh. That scripture points out there is two kind of sin, two kinds of sin. There's a character sin, and then there is a sin against the flesh. And fornication, adultery, is one of the sins of the flesh. Now, the works of the flesh are, are manifest. They're, they're, uh, they're recorded for us in the Word of God. But here in this scripture, there is a difference between a character sin and a fleshly sin, a, a physical fleshly sin. Let me explain the difference. Both of them are sin, but they carry a different penalty with them. It isn't that God will forgive one sin and not forgive the other. That's not what this scripture is saying at all. God forgives sin. 1 John 5, 17 said, all unrighteousness is sin. God forgives sin. But what this scripture is saying, flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without his body, but he that commits fornication sins against his flesh. When a person is unfaithful to their spouse, God will forgive you. But in that person's mind, it will stay with them for years and years and years. And they're going to be wondering when they get around certain people, what do you remember? What do you think? And they're intimidated. They back up. Uh, you can go to a family reunion. You can see a bunch of women over there in a group talking. You swear up and down they're talking about what you've done 40 years ago. And they may be talking about recipes. A bunch of men get together and they'll swear up and down. If you're standing back, they're talking about you. It is a sin against the flesh. That's the reason the Bible said flee fornication. Two types of sin a person can commit. A character sin. A character sin, people will let that go and most of the time never even remember it. But you take another woman's husband. You run off with another man's wife. God will forgive you, but that sticks in the minds of people and it'll also stay in your mind as well. It's there. It's not that God hasn't forgiven you. 
It is a fact. It's a sin of the flesh. Flesh. We are in the flesh. We're going to deal with the flesh until we die. This body dies. We're going to deal with the flesh. So it's important to understand that what the Word of God has to say, um, you know, whenever you have an affair and unfaithful to your your spouse, then you betray your own values. Your own values that you have, you betray them. And uh, <laughs> you, you know, uh, you're not the faithful spouse and, and the parent you appear to be, and uh, you have lived a lie. And you know that. Your kids know that. Your spouse knows that. These are the perils of this. And the Bible speaks about us guarding our heart. Now, I, I'm under the impression, and I believe that, that there's no such a thing as innocent flirting. I, there is a motive behind it. There's no such a thing as uh, innocent flirting. Uh, if I can't tell my wife she's pretty and I can tell some other woman she's pretty, I've got a motive there. Uh, there's something there that I'm working toward, whether I admit it or not. Well, when we're dating, when we're dating our future spouse or dating in general, we we have no trouble with the flirting of saying, boy, you look good and, and complimentary and stuff. But somehow in our mind, we get to the place to where we think, well, that I've said that, they know it. I heard, read a deal one time where a woman said, you haven't told me you love me. And the husband looked at her and he said, I told you when we got married, if I ever change my mind, I'll tell you. That is so cruel, even in a joking way, because why can't we flirt with our spouse? Why can't we say those things? How, in, how important it is, uh, the words of affirmation, of saying, you really look good. Uh, you know, I've always tried to do that to people, and I think that's something that means a lot to people. At church, when I'm greeting people, I'll say, oh, I love your dress, or you look so pretty today. You can't imagine. I love to go up in a restaurant when there's some little older ladies sitting there eating, and I'll say, well, you women look so pretty today. They just light up like mm -hmm. a Christmas tree. It means everything to them. The most important person that we have in our life besides Jesus Christ is our spouse. And if we're going to tell anybody they look good, it ought to be them. Yeah. It should. Uh, you know, the, there is no more success, um, successful sin than a sexual sin to a man and woman who says it will never happen to me. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, every one of us, no matter who you are, Given the right circumstance, every man and every woman is capable of the unspeakable sin. We're not above that. That's the reason Proverbs says, guard your heart. That's the reason there's so many scripture in the Bible concerning sexual sin. It's just there. We have to, we have to guard our heart concerning that. And I'm seeing more and more people that call their self open marriage. They can have sex with anybody they want to, but as long as they, what have you got at home? Uh, my wife has me in a way nobody else has me. I have her in a way nobody else has her. 
And that's that a is gift. a covenant. Yes, and it's a gift. Yes, and it's so a covenant you, of marriage. When you change that up and you become open with other people, you lose that gift. It's yes. no longer a, a priceless thing, and uh, it should be held in the highest of honor. You know, I've heard people interpret the scripture that if a man looks on a woman to lust after her in his heart, he's committed adultery already. It's not a sin to say that woman's a good-looking woman or she's a good woman. (laughs) The sin comes in is when you circle the block three times to see that woman or you make it in your mind of setting the stage for something to happen, a sexual sin to take place, then you've already committed that in your heart, in your heart. Now... So how do you explain that to someone that says that scripture? Well, if you look at them, you've already committed adultery. Uh, well, you have to, I think it's a will thing that you set in your mind for this adultery to take place and you start the steps of it to happen. Not just looking at no. them. You've, you look at them and begin a plan. You, you have a okay. plan at that point. And, you know, after you've been married a few years, uh, temptation is always going to be there. It's always going to be there. And knowing how to deal with that temptation is the cure for this. Uh, the time to break a bond is when you realize that you have become emotionally attached. Yes. When you become, before the physical affair ever happens, you need to break it off right then and there. And, uh, well, don't you think a few, a couple of weeks ago when we were doing the podcast, I mentioned that about talking too openly with other people, oh, yeah. uh, couples get real close and the women are sitting at the kitchen table talking and drinking coffee and the men may be in there, you know, talking about hunting or whatever. Um, I remember one time we had several friends that we visited with and stuff and the women begin to talk about. I felt like pretty intimate things, and they questioned me something about you. And, man, a red flag went up. And first of all, I thought, well, that's none of your business. But also, it was a red flag of that's just something you don't disclose or talk about. Because to me, you're putting out there a fact of certain things about your spouse that maybe that other person at home doesn't have that. And it causes them to and wonder. And it causes them to wonder. Or, uh, and, and in ministry through the years, we've dealt with this, and I think most pastors' wives will tell you, countless women have would come up to me and say, I wish my husband cared like your husband cares. I wished my husband understood like your husband understands, they hear you preach, they hear you anointed, you have the knowledge of the word, but you're still a human being, a man, just, you know, and, but in their mind, you have all the answers sometime when they're around. And that's something I think the devil begins to use as a, a little bit of just a taste of temptation to people. And so, again, I stress that, that there are things that you don't disclose, too many personal things in your home, because you don't know that maybe that person is dealing with no affirmation, no quality time. There's no acts of service. There's no physical touch. And so to know that you have it, 
makes them want it. And sometimes the devil will jump on that and say, well, you don't have to have this relationship. You could have this. The old saying, grass is greener on the other side, that's not true. Because all of us have issues. But I truly believe that these uh, languages, if we could learn, if every couple could sit down and talk and tell the other spouse, this is what I need. I, I just need some quality time. Yeah. I, you know, through the years of time, uh, only God can keep a record of that, of how many couples we have talked with, counseled with, uh, through the years of time, helped them resolve their situation, their problem. And through that, we have learned some things. The most reasons for extramarital affair are not sexual. They do not start no. out sexual. No. They start out for emotional reasons. The need for closeness, the need for goodness, the need for kindness, the need for togetherness. So if we can fill that void yes. in the marriage, if we can fill that void with your spouse, that would make it a lot better chance of this other a situation not happening. It's not that it can't, because like you said, anyone is susceptible to that. Yes. But anything that we can do in the marriage to reaffirm to the other person what they mean to us, people need to be needed. If these <laughs> needs are met on a regular basis, you haven't, then if they're not met, you have an environment for a wandering spouse. Because they're needing those things. They see other people that they think are getting those things accomplished in their life. And uh, emotional intimacy will lead to adultery. Uh, When you caress each other, when you're loving on each other, and it starts with that. And then it just, uh, in the relationship before the uh, sexual relationship, because the Bible said you join yourself to another you break the covenant. You break the covenant that time. And then there is the lonely or the unloved feeling. Don't let loneliness leave you feeling unloved. Don't be afraid to tell your spouse how you feel. Remind them that relationship uh, requires attention, nurturing every bit as much as a company you work for. Uh, you know, uh, in First Corinthians 7, and verse 5 talks about rendering due benevolence. The man or the woman rendering due benevolence to their spouse. And I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It will give you instruction concerning the sexual intimacy of a marriage and also the emotional part of a marriage as well. Then, then uh, you need to behave yourself. It's one thing to leave an impression that you're smart, funny, loving, but it's another thing to single out a particular man or woman and let them know I'm available. Yes. There's a difference. Uh, I mean, you can be funny, you can be loving, you can be smart, but when you single out a person and let them know, hey, I'm all of these things and I want you to know that, you've got a motive behind that. Yes. There's a motive there. And then, and I think we need to guard each other. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes I've heard women say, I told my husband, you need to watch this person. And they think I'm just jealous. 
And so they're not taking me serious. Gentlemen, I just want to tell you, I do believe women have a sixth sense. Some, I believe we have a gift of knowledge. If you are really guarding your marriage and you're working on that, I think God can show you sometimes something that you need to. And I think women need to pray for their spouse and husbands need to pray for their wives because most women and men are working in the secular world. People that are not Christians, people that have no morals, they don't care a bit to have multiple affairs. And so if you're a Christian and you're naive in any way and you go into a business Sometimes we don't pick up on those things. And uh, so if your spouse tells you, babe, you need to be careful, you need to kind of watch that person, I think then that's very important to listen to your spouse. It breeds jealousy. Uh, Jealousy is a cruel thing because when a person becomes jealous with a spirit of jealousy, it makes everybody miserable. Oh, yes, yes, there is a difference. There's a world of difference in that, and sometimes... Jealousy is created because of our actions right. that we do. But then I've known we've dealt with so many cases that where one spouse was just jealous of the other and had no reason. And to it'll be smother jealous. a marriage. It, it, it'll kill a marriage. It'll kill it, it will absolutely kill a marriage. And sometimes you just got to forget the job once in a while because it's hard to feel loved or loving when a pack horse seems to have more leisure time than you do. Right. Uh, you just got to lay some things down and make a time for that. I want to read some scripture. This is biblical, and this may hit home pretty hard here, but it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. I alluded to this a while ago, but he said, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me. Let me explain 1 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul had letters that came from the church at Corinth with all kinds of questions. And chapter 7, he deals with marriage, he deals relationship, and when you're reading 1 Corinthians, you, you just have to understand he's answering questions, answering questions concerning people that had sent the questions to him. He said, it's good for a man not to touch a woman, to be involved sexually, he's talking about here, but look at verse 2, nevertheless, to avoid fornication... Let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. Wow, that's some strong language there. What's he saying? The sexual drive was placed on the inside of every man and every woman when God said, multiply and replenish. He put the sex drive in there. It's not a sin to have a sex drive. It's normal. If it's used correctly and it's... You have to discipline it. You disciplined. And you have to have will there. Let the husband, verse 3, now listen to this. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath no power over his own body, but the wife. This scripture is saying, if there is a sexual need there, You don't hold back from one another and use it as a tool of control. Weapon. It's used as a weapon a lot of times. A lot of times it is. And this can lead to infidelity. Yes. It can lead there. 
But he said in verse 5, defraud you not one another, except it be with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. And listen to this, that Satan tempt you not for your inconsistency. But, you know, we've had we've had couples when we were talking with them that the husband had quote that scripture. Boy, he knew that word, do benevolence. And the wife would say, you know, he uses that. Uh, but it is in the Bible. It is part of the word of God. The difference is it's put there for a reason to tell us that we're to be there for each other. We're to meet the need so that this doesn't happen. But we've learned through the years, many women work and you have a baby and you've got, you've worked all day. You come in, you've got housework to do. You've got to cook supper. You've got to get the baby a bath and get bed. We have seen time after time where the husband would be watching TV. He did not help. The wife feels like she's having to do everything or it can be reversed. There are stay home dads. But that, again, goes back to sharing the load. Uh, if both of you work, then both of you share what needs to be done at home. If you get to stay at home, that's wonderful. Then there's more that you can do and take the load off the husband. That's the give and take. That's the 100% that we've talked about so much. It's not 50-50. It's 100%. But that scripture is put in there not as a weapon to use against each other. Well, you owe me. You owe me. It's not that. That's a beautiful part of the marriage if it's all done in the order that God put it. It is. And also verse 9. Now, you can read the rest of this in your time. But in verse 9, it said, If they cannot contain, let them marry. Right. And listen to this. It's better to marry than to burn. to burn. <laughs> yes. People don't read that. And some people had rather disregard that and say, well, our culture, this, that culture has nothing to do no, with the Word of God. No, it's the Word of God. God didn't write this Bible to fit me. He wrote this Bible for me to fit it. Right. And one day we're going to stand before God. We're going to give account. And ain't nobody going to stand in our place. We're going to stand give account for ourselves. So, and, you know, just looking at all of this, uh, we're, we're talking about ways that you can uh, fair-proof your, your marriage and... Um, uh, you know, deal with the temptation that's there and then uh, talk, talk to your spouse loud or softly. Don't make any difference. Just talk, continually talk. Love exists in dialogue. Yes. Love exists in dialogue. It's always, it's not always pretty. It's uh, not always what you want to hear, but honesty Tempered with kindness, when two people can communicate day in and day out, year in and year out, there's almost never room for infidelity. Honesty is the best policy. That's been an old saying for years, and it's the truth. Yes. Uh, I think when a husband and wife will sit and tell the other one what they need, uh, The love language, again, it goes back to if we could learn what the other one, their language is, and meet that need, I think it would it would help so much in yes. any marriage. Uh, we One retreat that we'd done, there was a couple that was invited to it that didn't even go to this church. And I remember after the retreat was over the next week, we got a letter. This couple was not even in church. 
that they wrote us a letter and told us we had taught on the languages. And they said, we have never, they'd been married like 16 years. They had never realized what the other one's language was. But they talked that night after the retreat and they told each other, this is what my language is. They were both shocked at what it was. He thought she liked gifts, that he could do that, and that's what. And it wasn't. It was words of affirmation. She did not know that touching him, just holding his hand, that was what he had craved for all that time. She was a wonderful cook, a housekeeper. She did all of that, but she did not ever show that kind of feeling. And she said, you'll never know what this has done for us. So talking and, and uh, reaffirming what that language is is going to make a world of it difference. It will. And I, I, I feel like in my spirit that this is being received and at the same time it's bringing conviction on some people. So I'm going to close this out with something very special. And it's found, if you want to look this up, it's in Genesis 41 and verse 51. It said, now this is concerning Joseph who was, bought as a slave. His brother sold him into captivity and he spent 13 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. But he makes this statement in Genesis 41 and verse 51, the name of the firstborn talking about his children after God had delivered him a divine deliverance out of prison. The name of the firstborn called him Manasseh for God said, he has made me forget my toll in my father's house. There is an experience with God called a Manasseh. Yes. That God can make you forget. Now that's not spiritual amnesia. That is God can bring you to the point that when you're reminded of your fault and your failure, he can bring it to a point it's not, it doesn't hurt any longer. Yes, yes. That's what it's all about. So I'm encouraging you, if you're here and you're listening to this podcast and you're convicted and you're thinking, I've let my family down and I've done this and I've done that, you and your spouse get together and pray for a Manasseh. Yes. God, give us a Manasseh. In our home. Bring us to a point it don't hurt anymore. Because if God will do it for Joseph, he'll do it for you. Joseph's brothers had sold him and his father thought he was dead for many, many, many years. He was sold as a slave. Potiphar's wife, Potiphar owned him. Potiphar's wife told lies on him and had him thrown in prison and he was in prison 13 years for a crime he did not commit. I mean, a lot of things happened to them, happened to Joseph but God worked it in his favor. Yes. And then Joseph came forth, and when he did, he made this statement, God has made me forget. He forgave his brothers, and, he, you know, it, that's not meaning you'll never think about it. No, no. But it's the fact that God can bring it to a point that it don't hurt anymore. Why don't, then why don't you pray? Uh, maybe whoever's listening needs to have prayer for that. All right. Father, I am so thankful that you have given us an opportunity such as this to Thank share you. truth and principle from the word of God. God, there's no doubt that there's people listening right now that has been guilty of being unfaithful 
And they live with this constantly on their mind. They have wondering whether they'll ever get past this part of their life or not. And maybe the the innocent party that was so hurt because of the unfaithfulness of their spouse. But Lord, there's a place in you called a Manasseh that you can bring it to a point that it don't hurt anymore. And I pray that you would give whoever's listening that kind of experience that when they are reminded of this, they will just declare, but I have a Manasseh. I have a Manasseh. God, I pray that you would move in Jesus' name and bring Manasseh to the hearts and lives today that are asking you for Manasseh in their life. Bless them with this wonderful gift, wonderful gift of God making us forget. Move, I pray, in these lives in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for tuning into the podcast this week. We pray it was a blessing to you. We pray that it encouraged you, that you were elevated in the word. Don't forget to check out Dean Caldwell Ministries on Facebook to keep up with all things that Brother Dean uh, is doing. You guys have a great rest of your week and God bless.